Sports on the clock. Uh, what do you put this with Juventus, AS Monaco and Leicester City have in common, gentlemen? League champions. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, other than uh, the fact they have not been coached by me, some of them, not actually all of them, have been in the second tier of their respective championships in the last 13 years. Interesting fact, Bidvestvitz, champions of South Africa at the moment. Let's jump into that. What am I doing? Let me introduce myself. I'm Zawa Molloy, Johan Kutia, rugby writer extraordinaire. How are you, sir? I'm very well, and you? How are the balls today? I'm not talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Manuleka, football man. Yeah, look, I'm also with you, and by the way, I do support Bulls. I'm from Pretoria, by the way, so mm. you're not alone. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> and Peter, you got your top four selection. You know, we, we, we call you the sports nerd, but I, I think you hit it on the, on the mark this time around. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a particularly difficult one. To oh, okay. Get right, I okay. Think. But, uh, yeah, I got the top four. But so, are you saying with your little opening gambit there that I can expect Leeds United to be the champions of England uh, uh, within the next 30 I, I, years? I think you're reaching a bit too far into the future there. <laughs> Look, why is only Rod? He might as well predict that. <laughs> Give me some odds, I'll do it. Ease. There's Clay's lovely day! On the match referee, everyone's clock is saying it's done and dusted. B-I-C, T-O-R-Y, victory is the big best best cry. Champions of AXA Premiership Football for the 2016-17 season. An unbelievable campaign where it's all happened from the top, the middle, down to the bottom. It's big best best that over the years have made that statement that they are worthy of being crowned South African champions. Yeah, we've done well away as well, and so it's a culmination of hard work, and you know, this is not easy. Um, yeah, can't really talk much now. Sure. You know, when I first came here, I looked at the squad and I said, I didn't think the team was good enough. And it's, I've been four years now, third, third, second, and now champions. So... It's taken a long time to try and overhaul the team, change everything, the mentality, change everything that we do, how we do it, how we want to play. It takes time and uh, for a club like Bidvestwitz to, to, to win the league is unbelievable. First league trophy for the club since formation in 1921. That's like that's one of the oldest teams in Africa. Yeah, finally the grandfather of South African football gets <laughs> to lift the league championship there. Congratulations to them. I think, uh, you know, Gavin Hunt... Uh, and his technical team. Jose Ferreira also knows how to win the championships. Mm-hmm. He's done at the Super Sport United mm-hmm. at Sundowns, you know, so there's always a link between those two. So they did quite well. Brian Joffe has done quite well in terms of, you know, putting in money into this club and making sure that he gives them all the resources. But I think on the field, you know, Gavin bought well. Mm-hmm. He brought in the players with experience, you know, mixed it up a bit with uh, a, a bit of youth. Look at those youngsters, the kids at Vets who are going to the Under-20 World Cup. Yeah. They made sure that these kids, they also bring them in to mm-hmm. make sure that they get the experience. But I think it was a campaign well run. Yeah. They, they knew what they needed to do. Uh, they almost lost it in the last uh, two or three matches of the season. Yeah, but I think... Three stages out. Yeah. Interesting, exactly. <laughs> interesting thing that you said there that uh, even in the boardroom, yeah. there's like, there, there, there's some commonality in terms of they've done it before. Yeah. I think of, I think it's really bad for everyone else considering that when Gavin Hunt wins something, he tends to do it over and over and over again. He's a creature of habit. 
Yeah, well, he, we need to three times back to back this yeah. time with Vets. I, I don't think so. This, it's going to be quite a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Look at the, some of the teams that are there yeah. that will be competing next next year. Sundowns is there. Chiefs they haven't won anything. Pirates haven't won oh. much. They still have got the Netbank Cup yeah. final to to look look forward to. But it's going to be a bit tough for them. Cape Town City they they showed what they can do next season. You know they're going to be up there. You know with the rest, they're challenging for for the champ, the championship. So it's not going to be easy for Kavenan. But you know there's no no one can tell you that he, he cannot do that. If he's done it for Super Sports United, I'm sure he will fancy his chances. Sure. Provided they don't go far in Africa. If they do, then <laughs> they've got a bigger challenge there. You know, I think, guys, I think Joe's been reading my notes because he's like literally going pop, 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 pop. Actually, what I'm going to say is the last seven years, four teams have actually won the Absa, four teams have won the Absa Premiership in the last seven years. It, it could have actually been six if uh, Smoroka Swallows and um, who's the other team? Platinum Stars had run Orlando Pirates and Kaiser Chiefs Closely, and actually, it could have been seven if Ajax Cape Town had actually not flafted on that last day to land yeah. the Pirates. And I'll just throw something there: it's the only one player in common. <laughs> you know, Daintley has yeah. won six of those. You know, yeah. remarkable. You know, for Daintley to win six uh, league, cha- league championship, no player has, has ever done that. Yeah, is there anyone of rugby big ups, uh, to them? <laughs> any of rugby significance who's done the same? Uh, yes, yeah. Well, uh, the Bulls did win almost back to back, once back to back, and then a year before that they also won. It all Super comes League. back to the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> I guess also, Jan. I mean, you talk about the Crusaders, not necessarily local, but the Crusaders. I mean, yeah, seven, seven times, seven times in, champions, in champions, yeah. and looking good maybe this time around. Mm-hmm. Although as a Lions fan, hopefully that's not going to happen. But uh, yeah, it does tend to happen. And Gavin Hunt's been good luck at. I mean, Bafana might take note. Yeah. Uh, but I see he was talking about he might go down as the Brian Clough of South African football, wow. i.e. the guy who got so much success domestically, but for some reason wasn't quite the cup of tea of the powers <laughs> of me when it comes to running things. So, uh, so who knows? Maybe down the line he will. Uh, but I also saw quite an interesting article, uh, Joseph Ferreira, just saying that um, this was a triumph of humility yeah. over arrogance, which sure. I thought, thought was quite an interesting hmm. scenario as well. You know, I mean, Vits are the sort of rough and tumble, humble kind of side against the aristocrats of aristocrats, that is, of, uh, of, of Pretoria. So that was quite an interesting little contrast as well to look at. And I mean, I think a lot of sort of people would look at the Wits triumph and say, yeah, it's nice. Nice to see a sort of a, a smallish team come through, even though they have got a lot of financial clout. Yes. They are a pretty much small team. Yeah. But uh, yeah, quite an interesting yeah. one. Yeah. Hmm. Speaking about the aristocrats, just to add a little bit of detail into that, remember they referred to Avets as Stoke City. So exactly. <laughs> Stoke City won the league in South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, uh, just to, to, to finish this off, there have been 520 goals scored in 29 rounds of matches. Uh, it's not the highs of, of 2010 or 2010 where the 602 goals scored, but teams copying 6 1s, 6 nils, 5 2s, 5 nils. There's one team in particular, however, who hasn't, who've not impressed. Bloomington Celtic, 15 goals from 29 matches. That's like, what, Half 10 tries game. from. <laughs> 10 tries from 15 games. <laughs> yeah, look, I think, uh, look, Celtic, they've really struggled. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's uh, also had issues in the background that they had issues financially. Yeah. Uh, almost came close to uh, being liquidated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these are some of the stories that you hear. That affects the players. You can see it on the, on the field of play. But if you want to win matches, you have to score goals. If you want to survive relegation, you have to score goals. I mean, you've mentioned that they, they're in the relegation mix. Final yeah. round of matches is going to be one played. One of five teams. Exactly. Uh, one of those five could go down automatically. But I think, at least for them, I mean, it's a... 
uh, they might not go down automatically, yeah. uh, maybe into the playoffs, but they have to win their final game against Marisbeck United. If they don't do that, they're in big trouble. Peter, you've got uh, some vested interest in uh, the final round of games, that relegation battle. Highlands Park was a, was a team when, when I was a kid growing up, back in the old, bad old days of, of the NFL, yeah. the whites-only NFL. Yeah. It was the Arcadian Shepherds and the Highlands Parks of the world. And of course, Highlands were taken over by Jomo Cosmos, mm. by, and it became that, and then sold franchises again. Now they're back, and a friend of mine who also used to go to the terraces there back in the day, and he's now one of the owners of Highlands Park. And of course, they've had a very roller coaster season as well. They've been flirting with relegation the whole time. But it looks as though they might just have turned the corner at the right time. And they might just sort of evade relegation by the skin of their teeth. But it's going to be a very interesting uh, final weekend, that's for sure, with five teams ready for the chop. And then we've got the very long winded uh, promotion relegation scenario as well, which, which takes a few weeks to go through as well. Hmm. So, still quite a bit happening in the world of footy. So, Johan, Joe, Peter, who's getting relegated? I want one automatic pick. I got it right with the top four teams in England. I'm probably going to get it right, but I think Barroca, they, they're the, on, on the basement. Yeah. Everybody else knows what they need to do. Uh, I think uh, Barroca, if they don't win their final game, they're going to be in big trouble. But I also wanted to mention something. The league uh, trophy is going to be handed at FNB Stadium. Eh? Is the guard of honor going to happen there? I'm sure it has to. <laughs> in the 26th minute? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Trying> to... <laughs> yeah, so I think, Bar- I think relegation, I think Barroca will go down, I think. Yeah. You know, you took the words right out of my mouth, actually. I was also going to say Baraka, so as soon as you said Baraka, I'll go for Chipper. Yo, Johan, Chipper, Highlands, Baraka, Free State or Celtic, who's it going to be? Probably Celtic. They, uh, just like the rugby team, the Cheetahs, they will run to top sport next year. Um... Quick jump over to the Far East uh, Under-20 World Cup. Gents, South Africa once again. Interesting. We play well. Play against Japan. First half we score in the sixth, seventh minute. Team really plays well. Fluffs about four or five opportunities to double the lead. And then we go on to lose the game. Tabo Sinong says that, uh, the coach says, we still have six points to look forward to. We've got Uruguay and Italy next. But says Coach Lisana. Uh, listen, I think uh, it's a lack of experience you could see coming in, in that game. Um, I think, and it happens all over South African football generally. In major tournaments, you score. It's almost as if the players, they don't know what to do. You consolidate, you don't just take unnecessary risks. I mean, as you're saying, against the, you know, Japan, yes, it is a solid uh, Japanese side that they played against, but boy, they, but the, the, this Amajita team, they had it within their grasp to, to win that particular mm-hmm. match, to concede mm-hmm. those two goals the way they did. For me, defensively, I think uh, they, they need to work hard on that going to, into the next game against Italy. It's not going to be easy. The Italians, they defend quite well. You know, they do the business, score the goal, don't take unnecessary risk. Uruguay also, another uh, aside, that's going to be a, a bit difficult for them. But I think on the, on the plus side, look at the other African teams that have done well. I think Senegal, yes. you know, they've, they've done well. Zambia also have done well. Amazing results. Yeah, exactly. So I think if, if uh, the young Bafana can draw positives from the fact that at least other African teams are doing well, maybe they too can actually get something out of the two games against uh, Italy and Uruguay. If they don't, they come back home, unfortunately. Sure. Speaking of South African youngsters, under 20, well, I want to say under 20 World Cup for rugby, but you have probably correct me and say it's not the under 20 World Cup. No, it's the junior, <laughs> junior World Championships. I mean, do we see the same for South Africa? Is it, I mean, I know we've won it a few times, but it's not necessarily a given that we'll get far in this competition. No, um, I, th- I think we, 
we've been struggling with the big Northern Hemisphere teams, England and France in particular. Um, uh, the strange thing there is that we, uh, in the last couple of years, we've been so much better than New Zealand. We've had their number comfortably, and then, but, but the English just have an amazing yeah. operation that they're running there, yeah. uh, the structures they have there. It's the envy of the world. I think this year our preparation is a little better, although the coaching, coaching staff was only announced uh, far later than it should have. Uh, but, but they've been in camp quite a bit, and, and the guys have prepared. They've also played a lot of the big provincial teams, guys like Requis. They also played that Varsity Cup dream team. Uh, so in terms of preparation, they should be good. Uh, it's, but we'll just have to see what happens uh, what the other guys can bring to the park. Hmm. Venue's quite interesting as well. I mean, Georgia, it's a, you know, it's not a, it's a bit of a neutral in terms of north or south. It's not somewhere where you'd expect a lot of hometown support or whatever. So I guess adaptation's going to be key as well for the guys who win that one. Sure. Continuing, speaking about youngsters, Roland Garros is coming up this weekend. Peter, Joe, this is probably the most wide-open major in recent years. You've got no, no Roger Federer. Novak Djokovic's powers are seemingly waning. Andy Murray all of a sudden has got a, a dip in form. And at the same time, you've got a, almost like the next generation coming to the fore. It's, Nadal could win his 10th, but is it time for someone outside of the traditional big names to actually do something? It's a big ask. I mean, obviously, Alexander Zverev this weekend. Yes, fantastic beating Djokovic. Over Djokovic there. But, uh, you know, perhaps Djokovic not 100% focused, looking maybe a week ahead to Roland Garros. Uh, I don't know if... We will get a youngster. I mean, obviously, the change of the guard is you know, an evolving process. If I had to put my money on it right now, this minute, I'd put it on Nadal. I just think that he's, he's got rid of all those injury issues he's had over the last 24 months. And he's months got a haircut. So. He's got a haircut, which helps. And uh, he seems to be back to his best in running. I mean, his, his big, big sort of strength, obviously, was his, his durability and his speed around the court. He seems to be back to near his best there. Uh, Djokovic, is, he just doesn't he just seem to have his mind quite on there. He's got Andre Agassi now as his new coach, I see. Um, but he's, I don't know, I think he's almost been there, done that, and he hasn't quite got the same focus. Marion Clay seems to be all over the show this year, quite frankly. Hmm. So someone like Zverev, also uh, Dominic, uh, Tim as well, from, yes, from Austria, also, the other day. Uh, a youngster who's, who's in with a shout there. So um, it could be a very interesting tournament, but I still have my money on one of the old guard, and I'm going to say Nadal. Sure. And seemingly in the women's draw, it's, it's, it's almost like the same thing, where Serena's pregnant, so she's not there. Uh, previously unheralded world number six, Elina Svetolina, she's won the most tournaments this year already. It's like four, but I don't even, I don't even know who, who she was. Um, and the supposed world number one, Angelique Kerber, has only been in one final in the last 12 tournaments she's played in. Yeah, I know Peter's a big fan of uh, women's tennis. <laughs> it sounds like you're throwing the ball to me then. <laughs> um, so, look, I mean, to me, you could flick a coin and, and there's any number of yeah. contenders. And what often happens at the French Open is some complete unknown comes yeah. through, particularly on the women's side, that, yeah. that, as you said, that people have hardly ever heard of. Mm. And suddenly he sort of blazes a trail through all the way to the final. So I wouldn't be surprised if something like it happens this time around as well. Two out of eight matches in round 13 epitomized why we love rugby. Actually, epitomized why it's called Super Rugby. In Fiji, the spiritual home of Sevens Rugby, the Crusaders, a 31-24 result against the Chiefs. It was a try-fest, a skill-fest. Johan, I, I, I was watching it, I was even watching the highlights, and I was like, what the heck? Yeah, no, what an amazing match, what an exciting venue. The, the yeah. Fijians really came out and enjoyed it. Um, uh, the Chiefs gave away home advantage there, which is a little strange. 
because uh, in Fiji there were more supporters for Crusaders, mm. so it was <laughs> almost an away game. Um, not that I think it would have mattered. The Crusaders yeah. at this stage just look unstoppable. Mm. They, uh, the scoreline, I think, with that late try flattered the Chiefs a little. Yeah. I think the Crusaders had that match under control for most of the time. Um, but yes, as you say, just skills and, and pace and intensity and everything you want from a rugby match. And you look at uh, the, the clash between Mwanga and Cruden, they were just like, they're just swapping, swapping tries. They were, yeah, and uh, but both were also weak on the fence. Yeah, yeah. So you know, <laughs> they gave the they yeah. gave the opposite side a target to run at. Um, yeah, whether one of those two will come close to the All Black jersey this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, it's playing second fiddle to can't really Barrett, to, Yeah, no, it's got to be bad. Maybe yeah. Cruden Cruden's been in the mix before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. It's, uh, with the Lions tour coming up, they still have another round yeah. uh, to play as well. So let's see what happens there. Um, yeah, just, uh, in terms of the backs of forwards, um, that was the most impressive part for me for there because you don't associate New Zealand rugby with really strong set pieces, yeah. and they did that. And they did if if that type of backline and that type of attack yeah. gets a solid platform, uh, it's, it's almost impossible to stop. Yeah. Shots. So the second game, uh, I, I want to say Ellis Park, but for the sake of the sponsors, Emirates Airline Park. <laughs> um, we we saw that rugby still lives here. Yankees, Mapu, Mapu, and he's good here. Inside ball, definitely on. Jacques Lano, Mapu, Mapu, nobody in front of him. He'll finally get the score. Try number eight for the Lions. The Lions against the Bulls, it was, it was insane. I'm looking at the first five minutes, two tries. And then the sheer audacity of the Lions to say, no, we're not going for halftime, we're going for a fifth try. Yeah, no, the Lions, they had the Bulls number. You know, yeah. why, why wouldn't you want to do that? <laughs> a, a local derby, a lot of spice in there, a lot of, uh, a lot of physicality, a lot of emotion. And, and if you have them under the cost, you just go for them. So the Lions did the correct thing there. Um, interesting aspect there for me of the game is uh, the amount of kicking that Lions did. Yeah. They dominated you know, the possession stats as well and the territory stats, but they kicked almost twice as often as the Bulls did. And many of those kicks were successful, were chased yeah. down and, and led to tries. So, uh, very good all-round game by the Lions, I would say, there. Um, as for the Bulls, they've got trouble. They've had trouble all year. This weekend, coming up the Hurricanes, I think that, that could be the nastiest of all. Yo, shucks. Right, now, uh, the Bulls are playing the Hurricanes this, this weekend, but we've got a coastal derby, the Sharks against the, the Stormers. Stormers came back with a win. The Sharks did the same at the weekend, but they had to fight against the Sunwolves to get a result there. Who are you, who are you pegging as a winner there? Yeah, I, I think that's a very 50-50 game then. Mm. Um, but the interesting things to look out for is the two packs. I think they would match. Both of them are pretty strong against overseas opposition, but when, when two of them go head-to-head, I think it's going to be a close one. The Sharks statistically have a better line-out, but you know, if you get those two Springboks jumping well in, in the Stormers line-out, then there could be trouble. The issue for that is, is fly-offs. None, neither mm. of the two sides both have fly-off injury problems. Yeah. Um, so... If you're going to have, if it's going to be golf, April up against Dylan Lates again, yeah. uh, I'll give give it to April just in terms of him being more comfortable in that position. So if I had to put money on a winner there, probably the Sharks. Hmm. Anyone else putting money down this weekend? No, Lions keeping my beat, money safe. Lions to beat the Kings in, on Sunday. That's on Sunday, sure. <laughs> Lions to beat the Kings. Five points, Joe. Five points. Okay, I wonder if Tando will agree with that. <laughs>
after an exciting weekend of MotoGP where we saw Valentino Rossi lose it in the last lap there, crash, and then uh, Maverick Vignales winning. We have a Monaco Grand Prix this weekend, the crown jewel of Formula One. Sebastian Vettel, Lee of Ferrari, leads by six points heading into Monaco. He leads uh, Lewis Hamilton. Numerous twists and turns already this season, but gents, should we be... Should it, is it already settling into a two-horse race? I think it is, you know. I think, uh, but, but it's a good two-horse race. Unlike last year when it was a bit of a procession, at least we've yeah. got competition this time around. And as you say, there's been a mix and a match in terms of who've won this time around. It's Sebastian Vettel who's up top and it's Hamilton. And as you say, the, the, you know, the Monte Carlo Grand Prix is the flagship event of, of Formula One. And, and, and key there is to, is to get onto pole and, and try and get away to a good start because it's very tight, very few overtaking opportunities. So it often rewards the guys who, 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 you know, who qualify well and, and who get off to a good start. So uh, that's going to be key. Um, always different in Monaco. You've got the practice on Thursday and then you have all the old uh, vehicle parades and stuff on the Friday and then you re resume back Saturday and Sunday for the race itself. And what's also nice about the Monaco Grand Prix is it, it, it often coincides with the Indy 500, which is one of the big races. Yeah, that's the driver in Monaco because another guy is Exactly. Uh, we've got Mr. Button in, in Monaco. We've got Fernando Alonso over at, at the Brickyard. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how he goes as well. And uh, I see Scott Dixon got pole position. Two great events, uh, both, of course, on Supersport as well. So, um, you know, the Monaco Grand Prix mid-afternoon, and then you can switch over late afternoon through the evening and watch uh, 500 lap or 200 times two and a half mile laps at the brickyard. So it's going to be interesting stuff. Interestingly enough, uh, at this weekend as well, we have uh, South Africa against England ODI Series, three-match ODI Series heading into the ICC Champions Trophy. Chris Morris was talking at a, an interview I had with him, looking forward to that particular event, not necessarily caring who it is that they'll face, but wanting to make a fight of it. Look, I'm hoping we can put in our good performances in the Champions Trophy, you know, be good on the day, like, like we say in the big tournaments, be, be good on the day and hopefully we'll come out on top. And, you know, if we deliver that trophy, it'll be unbelievable, but we'll just take it game by game. Johan, you're the rugby guy, but I know you've got a love for cricket. How do you think, how far do you think the pro will go? In terms of the England series, I think it's going to be all about preparation. Yeah. Uh, I think the results, of course, there's a bit of pride online playing England. Um, but preparation for the Champions Trophy and then just to get under their skins a little because we're going to face them later on in yeah. a test series and that's the one that really matters. So um, <laughs> I won't be too surprised if they give uh, a couple of the lesser-known players a, a chance uh, to shine just to get that experience at that level before going heading into the Champions Trophy. Um, yeah, I, we have as good a chance as we've ever had against them. They've got a long batting lineup. They've got good all-rounders, a lot of bowling options, but so do we. Um, it's just a matter of our guys hitting form at the right, at the right time. And uh, what happened at IPL, you know, it didn't point exactly to, to a great season yeah. for us, but it, but it changes. It's a different format. That you're playing for a different country. Let's hope. Let's, it, it's sure going to be entertaining, yeah. to tell you that. Should be. Should be. What is going to be entertaining this weekend, however, is a Copa del Rey, Barcelona against Alaves. I think it'll be entertaining in terms of there will be the, the ball will be hitting the back of the net. Yeah. I'm not sure if we should just say already it's, it's a foregone conclusion. No, 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 no. It's a cup final. Uh, I, I'm sure Alaves, you know, as much as they finished like lower, I think about ninth on the La Liga table or so, they're going to be, uh, you know, putting everything into this final to make sure that at least maybe 
they give themselves some chance. They, they saw throughout the season, Barcelona can be beaten. How do you beat them? You don't give them the ball. That's how you beat them. But you're right. It's going to be a lot of goals probably. I mean, uh, Alaves have scored what overall in the league, 41. Yeah. And Barcelona, 116. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's, and the arsenal of stars that they've got there, your Messi, Neymar, you know, Suarez, it's just incredible. It's going managed to smuggle in <laughs> Arsenal there again. <laughs> just, just one quite interesting stat that emerged from the from this last weekend as well in La Liga is that yeah. Real Madrid, the first time ever in their storied history, they've scored a goal in every single La Liga. Unbelievable, interesting stat. I'm just interested in what other teams yeah. around the world yeah. of similar stature have also done that. It'd be interesting to delve into the record books and check that one out. Yeah. That's an excellent point to jump into, Peter. Real Madrid's first league title in five years, Zinedine Zidane's first league crown as a coach. You were there when he lifted the World Cup as a, as a player. Fourth trophy. Can Real do the double? They've got the Champions League in a, a few weeks. Jeez, I'll tell you what, I don't think too many people would be betting against that, to be honest. Uh, it just shows when you've got a club of that pedigree, how almost you've got that aura around you and that sort of invincibility and you just rumble on no matter what. And uh, they've done it again this year. I mean, it's been a pretty exciting race. It's, as always, <laughs> it tends to be a two-horse race. Atletico have had their moments in the last couple of years, but this year it really was down to Barca and Real for the last sort of stretch. And they hung in there, you know. It was, uh, I think the big one was in, in midweek when they went to Salta Vigo and they had to get a result there. Got the result, and that meant that the game against Malaga on the weekend was a bit of a formality. But I think you've got to give kudos as well to uh, Zinedine Zidane. I mean, there was a few question marks about him when he took over the mantle from coaches with greater experience. But as you say, he's got the stature of a player back in the day, World Cup winner. Head butter of note. Um, and um, do well you know, he's, he's clearly got the, uh, the great thing about being a great player, even though you're not necessarily going to be a great coach, is you're always going to have the respect of the players. Yeah. And I think that's the case of the Bernabeu. Yeah, but uh, Juventus is not going to be an easy one for mm. them. And they defend uh, quite well. I mean, it's, uh, they're also on a high. But something just to think about, you know, if you think about Real Madrid, think about Ronaldo, Euro 2016, the winner there. You know, now there's won the league and a Champions League final. Can they go on to win this? It's just going to be amazing. Eh? Uh, pity Barcelona supporters, obviously, to them, they're a little bit sulking. Yeah. And they'll be having a new coach also after Goodness. the Copa del Rey final because Luis Enriquez is gone after this Maybe final. Maybe going to Arsenal. <laughs> well, well, Wenger also announces his. Uh, uh, the Arsenal will announce their the plans Decision. after the final. I mean, yeah. Saturday, it's, it's quite a big. Uh, yeah. It's a super Saturday on, yeah. on, on Super Sport because then you've got the FA Cup final, exactly. then you've got the Copa del Rey final. Exactly. Early in the day, you've got the final matches in the PSL. So it's going to be quite uh, a weekend of you. The German Cup final as The German Cup final, of mm. course. So, so it's yeah. all coming down. Mm. Mm. Yeah. David Moyes is available, by the way, if you go. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, for wisdom. <laughs> One last question. What's your wish list for this weekend? If you were, have, were to have your way for something to happen this weekend, what would it be? Uh, for me, for Arsenal to win the FA Cup final, and then I'll sneak in the second one there for cheaper United to be relegated so that they come back more mature next season. Hmm. I'd, I'd like a very quick fire 150 from Quinton de Kock uh, against England in England. That should, be, that should make my weekend for me. No? Crusaders to lose, the Lions to win with a bonus pointer. And that's how we ended on the field, on the sidelines and on the clock.